This week, I did a grand social experiment, and I asked, WordServe, what's your story? What is that one story that shaped your life? And I'm not talking like it was just a good story, it was entertaining, it was fun. I'm, I'm talking about really fundamentally defined who you are today, how you interact with the world, what you believe. It could have been a book, it could have been a movie, it could have been a personal story. And I wanted to share with you some of the results that I got back. And, and if, you're, if you're feeling left out, uh, know that I did this on Facebook and Instagram. If I'd had my act together, it would have come out in the e-news, but uh, I didn't have it together by that point. So here's what we got. Two votes for Anne of Green Gables. And I will admit, as a little boy, I never read that. I had to go look at what it was about. <laughs> uh, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, To Kill a Mockingbird. These are all great books. And then on the movie side of the house, we've got The Last Samurai. Did I spell that right? Yes, okay. Uh, Apollo, Apollo 13 and Rudy. Is everybody familiar with these, at least to some degree? And it, here's the reason that I wanted to do this. I wanted to ask what great story, movie, or whatever shaped your life, because I think there's some common elements in our human tendency of things that we are drawn to, things that we admire, things that we aspire to. And as I look at this list of stories, I was fascinated because it, it kind of rings true with what I was thinking. What are the common themes? A lot of these result, revolve around themes that you're going to be familiar with, uh, about how we interact with self. In other words, is it all about me or is it all about the other? Am I willing to serve myself or am I willing to serve a greater cause? And as you look at that list of books and movies, you will see some element of a person or persons living outside of themselves. In fact, if you go back to the books, if you ever read a classic book, a timeless novel, and there's one character that focuses just on himself, it's generally not the hero. It's typically the villain. It's the example of what not to be, is it not? I mean, just think about your own personal favorites. Is there some element of selflessness in that hero or heroine that you admire? I bet there is if you think about it. The other things that come out, uh, service, sacrifice, serving the greater cause, serving the other, being of use to someone. In Anna Green Gables, I was fascinated to learn that the, the male character that adopts Anne is one of the best examples of unconditional love. Does that ring a bell with anyone? Yeah, there's glimmers of our Savior in these stories, is there not? There's sacrifices, there's a, a desire for justice, for rightness, like To Kill a Mockingbird, Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451. All these talk to a society that has lost its ability to communicate with each other, to have compassion for each other, to live beyond the surface, to live with depth and meaning. Maybe that's why it speaks to us, because I think in our heart of hearts, that's what we want. We want a place where we can connect with each other, where we can live below the surface, where we have depth and our lives have purpose and meaning. Do we not? I, I know I do. So something tells me that in, in all of these stories, and if you think of your own personal story, you're probably wired for depth, for purpose, for meaning. And how do those things come about? This is what uh, also fascinates me because as we look at this relationship between what we serve and ourselves, are we willing to live into that ideal, 
Are we willing to put service before self, or are we more interested in self-service? I think because we're wired this way, that this sets us up. It sets us up for dissatisfaction with this life because we're wired to want to belong, to live below the depth, to serve others, to be a part of something great, but so often it doesn't work out that way. Now, why is that? Well, there's a million reasons. But suffice it to say, this is a recipe for dissatisfaction in our lives. So my question is, if all of these things that we see and admire, the selfless sacrifice, the service, the serving something greater, the desire for a right world, are what we desire, why are we so self-centered and afraid to risk? I'm asking this of myself. In periods of my life when I found the greatest satisfaction, honestly, as I look back, they weren't the easiest times. There were times when I was devoted to a greater cause. They were times when I had a sense of, of purpose and meaning that was deep and real. They were times when I lived below the surface, when I had depth, I had people around me that would not just do life, but would do everything to, to the extent that I, I remember telling someone, you know, what, what's the number one thing you miss about the military? It's not the flying. It's not the cool clothes that you get to wear. Although that was kind of handy because I am fashion challenged. It's not the fact that you wear a name tag so you never have to remember anybody's name. You just look at it and say, hey, how you doing, Bob? You know what I miss the most? Camaraderie. And I don't just mean friendship. I don't just mean doing life together. I mean the, the feeling of sitting down at a, at a mission planning table and planning a mission. And at the end of that, everybody stands up and you know, hey, you know what? If this really goes down, we may not make it back. But you know what? We're good with that. I got your back. And I know you've got mine. That's the depth that I'm talking about. That's the thing that I miss the most. Maybe that's why I was drawn to the church, because outside of that environment, this is the place where I see that kind of commitment, the willingness to do whatever it takes to further God's kingdom, the willingness to empty myself, the willingness to serve a greater cause, to let God move through me, to take risks, not foolhardy risks, but risks on behalf of the kingdom that will further this depth of community that I'm talking about, this camaraderie that says, you know what? We may not make it, but we're good with that as long as we're serving the king. That's the question I ask myself. It's the question that Jesus addresses in, in a very dramatic form. In fact, this passage is an early hymn. It was probably set to music, and Paul quotes this. It's in Philippians 2, chapters 5 through 11, if you want to play the home game. You can find it there. Philippians is near the end. It's in Paul's smaller epistles written to churches. And you always get confused in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You know how to remember that? Handy free tip. Go eat popcorn. There you go. This is what they teach you in seminary. It's highly overrated. Not really. <laughs> all right, so as we're setting the stage and as we're finding our place, uh, recognize that all of these things that we have talked about are just a mere reflection of the greatest story ever told. 
And the greatest story ever told has at its center the greatest hero ever imagined. And this greatest hero will sacrifice everything, will take every risk, not knowing the outcome. Uh, he doesn't know if you're going to accept that or not. Actually, he does because he's Jesus. But he knows that not everybody's going to accept it, and he does it anyway. What does that say about our Savior? The context of this. Paul is writing to the Philippians church. There is a, a war of two women going on, and this isn't a thing about women. It just happens that in this case, there are two women that are warring. They're causing division in the church, and Paul is writing saying, please, for the, for the love of God, literally, for the love of God, solve this conflict. It's not representing the body of Christ. Well, yeah, the body of Christ well. And he's saying, whatever pride that you have, whatever thing that is in you that says it's got to be my way or the highway, you've got to be able to lay that down for the king. Here's the context that he says. He says, um, <clears throat> your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. These are the words of God, and they are for the people of God, and for these words, we are grateful. I'm also grateful for a Savior that can leave that kind of example I mean, talk about the person who had all the rights in the world and gave them all up. Here's the thing about this that fascinates me, I think, the most. Jesus never gave up his rights. Think about this for just a second. Jesus never gave up his rights. He never gave up his right to deity because as we see him on earth, he works tons of miracles. He speaks with the wisdom that is beyond this world. Jesus never gives up his humanity either. He cares. He's compassionate. He relates to people. Do you know what Jesus did give up? You have to listen to this one carefully. Jesus gave up his right to his rights. Jesus gave up his right to his rights. And why do I say it that way? Because he voluntarily said, there's something more than what I have a right to. And so I will come to earth. I will humble myself. I will become obedient even to death on a cross willingly. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. This is some <laughs> the way my mind works, but think about this. A lot of times we look back on these heroic stories, and we know the end. We know how it's going to work out. We know the great battles of World War II and all the heroics that went on. We know, uh, even in this case, that Jesus rises from the dead. But what about at the time the mission is going down? You know that Jesus possessed free will as he came to earth? He didn't give that up either. Do you know that Jesus could have said no? In other words, if that's not the case, why would he be tempted in the wilderness three times? Why would Satan waste his time? Hey, maybe there's a chance he's going to say no or take me up on this temptation, and I've, I've sabotaged God's plan. But he doesn't say no. 
Did you know that there's a temptation in the garden? Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me. But he doesn't bite. He willingly gives up his right to his rights. Why would he do that? A love beyond compare. A love for you and me. And if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have a sense of hope. We wouldn't have the opportunity for purpose and meaning and depth of living below the surface. This is what Jesus makes possible. So as we get rid of self, we start to do something amazing. Because if I'm living just for myself, whose kingdom am I building? I'm building the kingdom of Bill. I guarantee the kingdom of Bill will be very temporary, probably very narrow, very shallow. It may be a magnificent mansion on the outside, but it's going to be built on sand. It won't last. 60 years from now, no one will remember the kingdom of Bill. But they will remember the kingdom of Jesus. So if we're going to build, then let's build on solid rock. Let's build like Jesus would build. How do we do this? I have one practical step for application, and I love this graphic that I found. It's the difference between we versus me. We have to stop thinking about me and start thinking about we. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones that make this life possible. Actually, we don't. He makes this life possible through us. Let me rephrase that. And the reason I like this so much is the ideal, the perfect, the way it is in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is it is we. I don't know if, if you're in on this, but in that final day when we get to that pearly gate and we get to the presence of God himself, you're not going to be alone. It's not just for you. It's us. Can you imagine a more happy day than seeing each other there in, that, in his presence? I know many of you will be surprised to see me there. But no, it's going to be awesome, right? That's the ideal. But somehow in this fallen world that we live in, the mirrored reflection, which is a dim reflection, comes out as me. Folks, we've got to stop living in this world, in, in the me world, and take it back up a notch. And look at the guidance and example that Jesus Christ gives us and start thinking we, not me. That's the example that Jesus gives us himself. Biblical membership of a church, biblical membership of the body of Christ is all about we. It's all about serving that other. One of the reasons I'm harping on all this, uh, this whole series called Remember is a designed to help us come together again as a church after COVID-19, after everything is going on. We're a little discombobulated, and that's okay. But what's not okay is to remain discombobulated because someone made a great sacrifice. Someone gave us an opportunity to come together. I, for one, am not going to throw that away. I, I can't look at that passage, this emptying of himself, this giving up of his right to his rights and say, meh. No, I'm in. I'm all in. Tom Rainer wrote a book uh, about being a church member. This is going to be one of the things that we use for new church members. And uh, my intent is to have a WordServe 101 class on the 7th of November. There'll be more of that, <clears throat> excuse me, in the e-news. But if you're interested in joining this particular body of Christ, 
uh, I invite you to November 7th. There'll be more, like I said. But one of the things that he says in this book, which I find fascinating, I did not make this up. He gives a survey of what he found was inwardly focused churches. I'm not going to read you the whole list, but I want to read just a couple. And hear this. My heart is because I love word serve. My heart is because I love Jesus. But here's a, a couple of things that he found. Greater concern about change than the gospel. This is one of the, the impacts or the signs of a, an inwardly focused church. Greater concern about the change than the gospel. I had more feedback about 75-minute change in worship time than I've had about how we're reaching the community around us. I'm not saying this to shame anybody or to make anybody feel bad. I'm making an observation. Evangelistic apathy. We had a ministry fair. We had a series on inviting people, and two people got invited to WordSurf. Again, I'm just making an observation. I'm not trying to pass judgment. But are we slowly becoming an inwardly focused church, WordSurf? Is that possible? It is possible. You know what I think a greater metric would be? How come nobody has written me an email or called me or texted me about the number of baptisms we've had in the last two years? How many baptisms have we had in the last two years? That's what we need to be concerned about. That's how we get to live below the depth. How many new members have we had in the last year? These are the metrics that we need to start paying attention to, not for numbers' sake, but because we're making an impact in the kingdom of God around us, because we're inviting people in to this living below the surface, because we're creating a community that will be that light to the Gentiles, like I wrote in Isaiah, like I read in Isaiah. These are the metrics that I think we need to pay attention to. I know there are many fears like, man, people might make fun of me, <laughs> so... I'm not going to make fun of you. If you have a problem with someone making fun of you, let's talk. Or let's go visit that person that's making fun of you. I have an AR-15 umbrella now. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to use it. <laughs> well, I'll probably edit that part out. <laughs> I might appear weak. Well, let me ask you, who is stronger than Jesus Christ himself? No one. That's right. Remember that. No one. Who are we still talking about today thousands of years later versus some bully or some dictator or some ruler that has passed from our memory? The kingdom of Bill. No one. I'll tell you, there is no greater strength than the love of Jesus Christ. And if we forget that, we forget who we serve. The reality is, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. We are wired for living below the surface. We are wired to serve something greater than ourselves. We are wired to be a part of a community that is a light to the world. And anything less than that is a recipe for dissatisfaction. Anything less than that is weakness. Jesus is strength. So as we go forward, I would say this, to paraphrase JFK, Ask not what God can do for you, but ask what you can do for God. 
maybe it's time that we served a greater cause and experienced a greater life, a life that is different. Maybe it's time that uh, we look at service not as being a doormat, but as being a welcome mat to the kingdom of heaven. Maybe it's time we listen to our Savior who calls us to have the same mind as he did, one of selfless sacrifice. Maybe it's time to remember. I started today by asking, what's your story? I will end today not by asking, what's your story now? Because Jesus is in this. But my real question, word serve, is what will your story be? Make it a good one. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for this greatest story that's ever told. Thank you for the invitation to be a part of that. God, I will confess that many times I lose my focus. I lose my confidence in you. I lose my feeling of community sometimes. My God, your love is greater still, always. Your love never fails us. It will never let us down. And even though sometimes we may feel that we're out there solo, your word tells us you will never leave us or forsake us. No matter what the world says around us, no matter what the economic conditions say, no matter what the job market says, no matter what our relationships look like right now, no matter what our health looks like right now, it does not have the final say. The reason I know this is because your son came and emptied himself and became obedient to death, even to a cross. And because he lives, we too can live. I pray for every individual, God, that they would know your presence this morning, that they would be renewed, revitalized, recommitted to life below the surface. And God, for those who don't know you yet, I pray most for them that this would be an awakening in their hearts and a stirring in our hearts to share your good news. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.